one thing after another, nine to five. Get home, empty your briefcase, go back, come home, empty your briefcase. And then something happens that changes your perspective. There's something of that in the verse that we're going to consider this morning. Something that hit me. Years after entering ministry, I came across a verse that I know I had preached several times in, in the past, but I had not understood the implications of it as fully as I finally did. That verse is in Philippians, the first chapter. Verse 6. Paul would write this to that church, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Read that again with me. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now that may not be your life verse per se, but in the 20-some-odd words of that verse, you, you find what God wants to do in the life of every man, woman, boy, and girl. He wants to do, to borrow the title off of our clip, something incredible in your life. For our purposes this morning, I want to suggest that what we see in those few words fall into Three different categories. What God has already done in the past. Secondly, what God is going to do in the, in, in the uh, future. And what God is doing in the present. Look at those three together. The past, present, the future. Look at that last one first though. What will God do with my life in the future? God will conform us to the image of Christ. God will conform us to the... He will change things in our life in ways that we will find sometimes incredible. You're probably familiar with some of the verses I'm going to read as we go through this. For instance, Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Familiar enough, wonderful enough, but the verse I want us to zero in on at this point is verse 29, the one immediately following that one. For those whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Conformed like his own glorious body. Listen to 1 John 3, 2. Again, from the Living Bible. Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children. We can't even imagine what it will be like later on. But we do know this, that when he comes, last few words are the operative phrase, we shall be like him. Oh, I wake up in the morning and the knees creak and the shoulders groan. And I think, Maranatha, hasten the day, Lord. We'll be made absolutely new like Christ. 
Do you understand how vital it is to be reminded of what our future will be? That it's guaranteed that God is going to come through on that promise. What we dream now will be then. It's 1966. Walt Disney died of cancer before Disney World could really even get off the ground. But five years after his death, Disney World in Florida was dedicated. Thousands upon thousands of people attended that dedication. Hundreds upon hundreds of dignitaries and notables were there, one of whom leaned over and said to Roy Disney, Don't you wish your brother Walt could have seen this? To which Roy responded, Oh, but he did. He did. He envisioned it all. This morning, as we move through this passage, it would be a good thing for you to do. Close your eyes. Envision that future that God has before you by promise that when the day comes, you will awaken having been conformed to the image of Christ. So even though I don't know all the hows, I do know the what. God will conform me to the image of Christ. That's the future. Now, let's consider the present. Let's look at what God's doing right now. Not only is God going to conform us to the image of Christ, He is transforming us by the power of Christ. Again, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Listen and we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is his spirit. A couple of things about that one verse that I want you to take note of. Number one, the verb is in the present tense. In other words, it's a, on, a, a current, ongoing, continual action. But the second thing to notice is that it's a present passive. That is, it's not something we are doing. It is something that is being done to us. It's not being accomplished by us. Who's the one who's doing the transforming? God is. To borrow a phrase from our verse in Philippians, think of all the things he's using now, right now, to perfect or complete the good work that he began in our coming to Christ. Think of all of the factors that are being used to conform you to Christ, to transform you by His Spirit. There's the Word of God, the fellowship of the saints, His Holy Spirit. There's wise counsel that's being received, given and received. There are Christian friends. There's a godly family that you're part of. These and many others. But it all begins where? It all hinges on whom? On God the Father. It's His promise that we are going to be transformed. We are being transformed even as we speak. Well, you look at those two things. God's going to conform us to the image of Christ. And God is transforming us even as we speak. And that transforming process may not be painless or pleasant. God, Bible says that God disciplines those whom He loves so some things are just not going to be what we would prefer. Like the woman walking past a 
pet store one day, and there was a parrot perched on the little stand outside the front door, a talking parrot. Suddenly, she walked by the parrot and said, Hey, lady! Hey, lady! When she heard that, she turned, and the parrot said, Hey, lady, you're ugly. Next day, same thing. But this time, it so incensed this woman that she went inside and gave the owner what for about that bird. Well, with that, the owner went out and gave the bird what for. He got up in the bird's beak and he said, Any more complaints, uh, complaints about you and I'll pluck you naked and sell you for a chicken. Next day, a woman's walking by the same store. Hey, lady! Hey, lady! She turned around and says, What? As you know. <laughs> well, listen, there are going to be those days when somebody says, you know. And you're going to say, Lord, what's going on here? If the Holy Spirit could whisper in your ear, he'd have something to say like, I'm just transforming you by the power that may seem incredible, but it's real. Now, if you're following along in your notes, you probably have sensed, I'm going somewhere, there's the word conform, there's the word transform. Right here would be a good place to use the word reform, wouldn't it? Only it would be the wrong word. Because God is not waiting for us to reform he didn't begin his good work in me when I reformed. That is, when I got my act together. The Bible is very definite about this. God doesn't wait for us to reform before he begins to work on us. You recall that familiar, familiar verse from Romans 5, I'm sure. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that while we were, what? Yet sinners. While we were yet sinners. While, while we hadn't done anything to merit God's, not, not, not merely His grace, but even His attention. God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the Lord really began His good work in us when God informed us of the love of Christ. Now we're closing in on something that resembles a conclusion here in a moment, so I don't want you to miss any of what I'm about to share with you. Conclusions are probably the most important part of any sermon. In other words, get to the point, preacher. <laughs> Over the years, God has used many, many people to tell me about the love of Christ. My parents, my Sunday school teachers, my youth ministers that I had along through the years, my preachers like Brother Letcher, the pastor who... How would you like to have a name like Letcher? The pastor who baptized me and the pastor Ken Mathis who would be my future father-in-law who introduced me to the joy of the Lord which is really a real close companion to the love of Christ. But listen, I was almost 60 years old when I heard a guy named Max Lucado. 
say something that profoundly impacted my life. Probably more than anything aside from the notion of salvation itself. What did Max say? You might want to write this down. I quote, God could not possibly love you more than he does right now. God could not love you, could not possibly love you any more than he does right now. If you're waiting for a, a substantiating statement from Scripture, here's chapter and verse. For God so loved the world that he what? Waited for them to reform? No. That he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He could not love you any more than that. John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Or this, Romans 8, 38 and 39. I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And somebody better say amen right there. Your preacher has no better news to give you than that. That God loves you with an immeasurable love. Over the 40 some odd years that I've been preaching or in ministry of some sort, whether it was youth ministry, college ministry, or preaching, I've held to the commitment to declare the whole counsel of God, that is, everything the Bible says about God, to declare everything about His grace, His mercy, His righteousness, His wrath. But over those 40 years, I've looked back, and those who have come to Christ because of a study I've led or a lesson I've taught or a sermon I've preached that had to do with the subject of the wrath of God and, the, and coming judgment, those whom I, that I know of who have responded to that message are just a small handful. But as I've come to the subject of the love and mercy and grace of Christ, when the Word of God informs us of the love of Christ, hearts are warmed, lives are changed, and here we come to the conclusion, God has begun a good work in you. There's an old boy named Doug Oldham. How many of you ever remember Jerry Falwell in the old-fashioned gospel hour? Doug Oldham was a, <laughs> he was a big old boy. He had to stick out an arm. You can tell if he's walking or rolling. You know, he's about that size. Don't remember any of the other songs that he ever sang. He was kind of like a Christian Burl Ives is what he was like. He had a gravelly voice and he'd sing. And the song that stuck in my mind forever, I can see him singing it. God's still working on me. To make me what he wants me to be. God's still working on me. To be what he wants me to be. God's still working on you. Before you leave here this morning, it would be a good thing to settle in your own heart and mind. That God has begun a good work in your life. And that he desires more than anything to continue it. 
Pray with me as we close. God, speak to us again those simple words of confidence that you've begun a good work in us and that you'll complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Through Christ we pray, amen.